everyone and welcome back to another episode of Curiosity Killed the Rat. My name is Matt. I'm a science enthusiast. I would like to start by acknowledging that I am speaking from lands traditionally owned by the Noongar people. And today I am joined by my co-host, Kate. Yes. Yes, you are. As per (laughs) usual, I am here too. Um, But I'm not alone. I am joined in person, which is like really exciting, not over Zoom, in person with our lovely resident immunologist, Kat. Um, and I would just like to acknowledge that both Kat and I are recording from lands traditionally owned by the Wurundjeri people. Um, and with that, oh, welcome back, Kat. Welcome to season two. Great of the to have you on the show. How's it feel to be back? Uh, <laughs> excellent. It's excellent to be back. I love hanging out with you guys. Uh, whether in person or through Zoom, mm. and it's so good to be in the same room with you. <laughs> I know. Sorry, Matt, you're still it's fine. A couple I'll of thousand kilometers away. But only yeah. in the most isolated city in the world. It's fine. I'm you know what? Not you lonely. can complain about that, but let's have a look at how it's your last twelve been months has gone down. Wonderful for us. Let's be honest. <laughs> it's been a great benefit to Perth, but you know that's neither here nor there. It's great to have you back on the show, Cat, and congrats on being our first guest for season two. Oh, sure. Oh. That is what a, an honor. It is. It is an honor. Wear, wear that badge with pride. And the reason we have uh, Kat joining us today is because I wanted to talk about something that's, I, it shouldn't be controversial. This is what I hate. It's something that's a little bit controversial, but it shouldn't be because we're talking about vaccines. <laughs> um, I know. Very topical at the moment with the whole, you know, pandemic thing still are happening. But vaccine rollout. Exactly. The vaccine rollout is happening around the world. Lots and lots of people have already had the jab and um, there's lots of different types of vaccines out there. There's a lot of, you know, confusing information and there's a lot of really, really cool, exciting science behind like some of the new technology that's like, cause you know, one of the coolest things I reckon about like is how quickly this vaccine has just like, you know, this pandemic only started what, like a year ago, mm. a little bit more than a year ago. And we already, we've already rolling out a vaccine, which like traditionally vaccines take ages mm-hmm. to develop, right? Years like, and years and years. Yeah. Years and decades. I think I read somewhere that before this one, the quickest, I think it was a mumps vaccine was like the quickest to be developed. And that was like four years. And that was like a, whoa, this was so quick. And now we're like under a year and we're already rolling out. Um, and that's, that's not because we're cutting corners or whatever. Mm. It's, it's really not. <laughs> no, it's, it's because we've developed new tech essentially and new ways to make these vaccines. And, and presumably there lot- there's more people working on it as well. As like the population grows, there are more scientists and more healthcare workers and stuff that can contribute to the production of things like that, right? Whereas back when there, you know, mumps was a thing, there was I mean, what, a significantly reduced population. I, I mean, I'd say it's not necessarily population size, but the number of researchers that have been mm. looking at this around the world. Mm. Like people have been working on this nearly 24-7 somewhere in the world. Mm. Um, and you've just got institutes like putting money putting resources behind it yeah um so i think that's probably a large part of it as well Mm. because i think one of the the biggest um criticisms i've heard of the vaccine as as you mentioned is that people think because it's come out so quickly is that corners have been cut in order to get it to come out this quickly but i've i've seen some fantastic things speaking against that saying that it's not that we've taken any shortcuts in the development of this. It's more that it's just been prioritized over other mm. things. So other things that may have been worked on were put on the back burner in order to bring this forward and all hands on deck to get this out as quickly as possible. Yeah, exactly. Like, cause you know, this is something that's obviously impacted the whole world. Um, and so it's definitely, there's a factor of this being prioritized, but it's also, I think a factor of, you know, it seems like this has popped out really quickly, but you know, I'll, we'll, we'll get into it in a bit and talk about the different types of vaccines. Cause like a, a vaccine is not just like a standard recipe here is what it is. Like there's lots of different ways to make a vaccine and the ones that have, you know, kind of been fast tracked and that have, you know, gotten into trials and been rolled out quicker 
are ones like there are new sort of technology, like you've got your mRNA vaccines, um, for example, which I'll explain a bit or will explain a bit in a bit. Explain a bit in a bit. Yep, that makes sense. We'll go with it. Um, But like this sort of technology, even though there hasn't been before now, there hasn't been an FDA approved sort of vaccine using this type of technology. It doesn't mean that we've only just invented this technology in the last year. Like this has been decades in the making. Scientists have been... Mm coming up with the theory behind why this would work and how this could potentially work. And it just so happens that all of this technology was, I guess, ready around the time that the SARS-CoV-2 virus appeared. And so they were able to like put it into place and implement it really quickly. But in terms of when the actual tech was being, you know, and the ideas were being thought of for the first time of like, oh, this is a way we could potentially make a vaccine in the future. Like, that's something that scientists have been working on for, yeah. I think, about 30 years or so. Yeah, at, at least, least. At least, yeah. if not more. This yeah. vaccine is all older than all of us in this oh, recording yeah, well. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. So, you know, it seems like it's been fast-tracked and, like, it definitely has been. But, like, I think it's mm. hilarious. I think it was in America they called it, like, Operation Warp Speed, which I just <laughs> think is the most, like, uh, hilarious uh, title. Where Yeah, they've definitely been trying to fast-track it. But as your you headline, to, scientists are actually a bunch of nerds. Who would have no. thought? Really? Yeah. You, you mean the same scientists that named a protein the Sonic Hedgehog protein or the, the Pikachu protein also like, you know, a, a, a dorks? No. 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 <laughs> no. Crazy, right? <laughs> but okay, let's, I reckon we should rewind back to the beginning, back to the basics and just like, start with what what is a vaccine what Mm. does it do how does it do its thing like what is it i know i think maybe the best way to start matt what do you reckon what do you know Uh, like where's your sort of baseline knowledge so far do you have any feel free i do do know i do know i know nothing or at least i think i know some things about vaccines it injects a little bit of the virus or whatever it's trying to stop in question into your body not a huge amount just like a tiny amount so your white blood cells and your immune system could be like hey I know what that is. That's a threat. Now I know to target that whenever it comes up. So then if you were to mm-hmm. ever actually get a case of the disease, your immune system would take care of it super quickly because it's already been trained up by the um, by the vaccine. Um, mm-hmm. And I think one of the ways they used to do this when it was first getting developed is they got like little pills filled with like fecal matter of these sick kids and made people take them. I don't know. I saw that in a documentary years ago. <laughs> and that was like one of the first well, ways that vaccines were, were implemented. They got like... I have not heard them. this. Have you heard this? No. The the very first vaccine or what we consider is a vaccine was developed by Edward Jenner. Mm. And essentially it, it's, it's the whole like science is just you make an observation, come up with a hypothesis and then test it. So mm. he saw that milkmaids weren't getting smallpox. So the milkmaids, they're milking the cows mm. and... Um, like they had blisters on their hands and stuff mm. like that, but they weren't getting sick from smallpox. And so he was like, oh, is is milk in the cows somehow protecting them? Mm. So what he did was he got um, pus from like cowpox and stuff and, and injected that into an eight-year-old boy. Mm. Yeah, and, I heard about this. And then he was protected from smallpox. So that's that was the first vaccine. Right. Mm. Still so gross. Child child not quite as gross as uh, eating. I think it was the son of his gardener or something. I just, you know, how does this come about? Like, let's just get a child and inject a, a illness that's, I mean, it's a cow illness, but it's still. Uh, yeah, well. But it worked. So, you know, I guess, you know, and we have we have that whole situation to thank for, for springboarding the whole concept <laughs> of vaccines, which like, yeah, you were pretty accurate there, Matt. We can, I reckon we called the podcast there. Like we're done. Matt's just mm, explained yeah. it. Well, thanks so much for listening, thanks guys. You can catch us on this our social, Facebook, Instagram, <laughs> Twitter, um, email yeah. us. No, okay. no. no. Um, I might just ask you a question though, Matt. Mm-hmm. Um, so when, when you say, okay, this trains the immune system, mm-hmm. like to, to be ready, what do you think that actually means? I think that the white blood cells or the immune system learns to recognize what a particular threat is. I don't know. There's probably like some kind of chemical change in it. I don't fully know how white blood cells work. Mm-hmm. Um, the Avengers, Avengers immune system <laughs> assemble. In the immune universe. Um, in the immune universe. <laughs> 
Yeah, we're, oh, we're bringing that back big time this episode. <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, yeah, so I, I hadn't thought about it that far before in terms of mm-hmm. what recognition actually means to a white blood cell. Um, whether mm-hmm. it gets a feeling of nostalgia whenever it looks at a SARS virus after <laughs> the vaccine. Um, how does Deja that Deja vu. I've seen this before. <laughs> Wait a minute. These are the droids you're looking for. If I, if I could hazard a guess, I would say it's something to do with chemicals. Well... That is really not a very clever guess because I would say most things. Ah, you're so right, through me. Do with chemicals, but you know, sure. As Tim mentioned, um, would say everything is chemicals. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah, well okay. Do you want to? Do you want to elaborate on that? Do you want to explain, Katrina, to our lovely listeners and to Matt, uh, what actually happens? Sure thing. So. Um, Something that I've I've mentioned before when we were talking about the immunoverse is that we have two sort of arms of the immune system. One is more generic, non-specific, mm-hmm. and that doesn't have memory. Yeah. And then we have the adaptive, which you know adapts and is specific and has memory. So it it, it does take longer to kind of get going, mm. but um, you know they're really good at effectively eliminating things and. And what they're recognizing, so the two main adaptive immune cells that we have are B cells and T cells. Mm-hmm. Um, and they recognize mostly proteins um, or, or sugars or, or uh, fat molecules from, from different pathogens, whether it's a, a virus or bacteria or, or whatever it is. So what's happening is that you have, I mean, these these numbers are just me sort of making up numbers, so definitely not the case. But say you've got like one T cell in a million mm-hmm. that recognises a particular aspect or a particular protein mm-hmm. of the SARS-CoV-2 virus, um, that's, you know, quite infrequent. So it would take a very long time mm. for that T cell to meet its match, to become activated, to, to start setting up, to start killing, to start, you know, doing um, whatever it needs to do. So the idea of a vaccine is to say, hey, look, everyone, this is the bully. Mm. <laughs> um, we all need to, we, we all need to like sort of be prepared. So you're right in terms of like, you know, training, but, but what's actually happening is that one in a million starts multiplying. So mm-hmm. then we have more and more and more and rather than one in a million, it's, you know, like we, we now have a hundred or, or we have like a thousand that can now recognize this particular virus or this particular part of the virus. Um, Mob so justice. like I said, don't quote me on those numbers, but, mm-hmm. but the idea is that you now have more memory cells that are hanging around your body ready in case mm-hmm. you ever come across any particular virus or, or bacteria. So it's like, you know, you've got your the Avengers of your yeah. immune system. Um, and it's it's like target practice, right? Yeah. It's like, you know, they're chilling out, defending the base, the base being your body, obviously, mm-hmm. chilling out, doing their own thing, but they don't really know what they're looking for. They're just kind of like, you know, we need to attack the bad guys, but like the bad guys could look like anything. Oh, and, really you know, they are some of us like, hiding. Well, exactly. But then, then you give the vaccine and it, it, teaches you it teaches the cells they can practice so they know what they're looking for Mm. and then they're going to be much quicker at mounting this attack and you know i think a really cool way that my brain wrapped around it is this is i think where it's cool to talk about the different types of vaccines that exist right so traditionally you know you were right matt and saying that it's you, you put a bit of the virus in but you don't you don't just go out and put the type of virus that's going to make you sick into you. Like it's not just a small amount of dangerous virus mm. that's going to be put in you. Okay. There's different types. So you have what's called like the live attenuated virus, which is essentially just a very weak version of the virus. So it's been weakened. So I like to think of this as like, so you've got a hostage, right? So you've, <laughs> you've taken uh, yes, in a hostage. That relatable scenario we've all been through. <laughs> You're taken in a hostage, but he's weak and he's broken and he's kind of, but you're still just like, okay, I can kind of tell what the enemy looks like. It's Mm going to look like a stronger version of this bastard. Yeah. And so your whole, like the Avengers are able to train Mm. to learn to be like, okay, this is the sort of like enemy we're looking for. This is just kind of like a weakened version. Or you've got your whole inactivated virus, which is like a dead version. So that's where you've got a dead hostage, Um, Uh. (laughs) but you can still be like, well, this is what the guys look like. You just want them to be alive. Um, Or, 
you know, the protein subunit, which is where you just take a little part of the virus. And that's like, maybe we've found the uniform of our hostage or of our enemies. And so we can still identify, you know, the enemies or Mm -hmm. whatever. And those are the different, you know, so it's different types of the virus, but it's still training your B cells and T cells and T cells to know what to look for. Right. It's okay. it's partly knowing what to look for and and you're absolutely right. Mm. Okay, in the end they're going to be faster. They they know exactly what they're looking for. But another cool thing is that T cells, for example, you you don't find them everywhere in your body. Like if they're what mm. we call naive, if they've never seen sort of their match, like the the one um molecule or protein or whatever it is mm. that they recognize, then they just hang out in the blood and the lymph. Mm-hmm. Whereas if it's been back, um, activated, like so, for example, by giving someone a vaccine, it can now get out. So it can oh, enter yeah. like what we call the, the other tissues. So it can get into the airways. It can mm. get into, um, you know, the, the reproductive tract or, or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's an aspect as well. So we've also stolen the security card from the hostage <laughs> that's allowed us swipe card access to the other parts of the uh, body and so forth. Or I'm just really stretching this analogy as hey, far as I Hey, it's working for me, honestly. Good. Well, okay, then let, let's talk about mRNA vaccines because I have I have a way in my brain that this also fits into the analogy. Okay. So some of the more modern tech vaccines, instead of – taking an actual part of the virus because when you the thing is when you inject like an actual part of the virus or a weakened virus or a dead virus or whatever you you need the virus to do that and that's part of what takes ages if i'm right is that you need to actually like make it make it and grow it and weaken it or kill it or whatever and the thing is mrna is just the instructions Right, you don't need the virus at all, so it's like mRNA. DNA. There's RNA in that, and RNA is like DNA, but there's only one thing instead of two things. Right? Am I remembering yeah. that right? Am so, I onto something? All right, let's yes, let's are. let's yes. take a step back yes. and do a quick little genetics 101 and talk about DNA, RNA, mm-hmm. protein. They're kind of the three different stages, mm-hmm. and a really cool or a way that works for my brain to think of this is your DNA is what's in your cell nucleus. And that is, you know, the genetic code. It's the instructions. It's Mm -hmm. the big, you know, it's the expensive, fancy recipe book that has all of the recipes you will ever need inside this giant ass book. That's kept in a very secure, special room. Okay. The cell nucleus, but that's not where you do the cooking. You don't do the cooking in that room. And also if you want to go cook something from that book, it is, such a hassle to pick up this giant book, take mm-hmm. it out, do you know, follow the instructions or whatever. Also, partly if you take it out, it will be destroyed. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> the room is also magic, and so you take uh, it out. Okay. The alarms blare, the book burns. So you need to you cook know, with the book without of... leaving with the book. The book has to stay exactly. In the room. You just need yeah. the specific recipe from the book that you need. Right. So this is where you go in to that room, and something called transcription occurs, which is easy to remember because, like, you I know that from music. Yeah, well, you translate or language. language. It just means, you know, transcribe. So you open up the recipe book, the DNA. Mm -hmm. You find the recipe of the specific protein that you want to cook up. You get your little post-it note or whatever, and you transcribe that recipe from the big book onto the post-it note. Right. That is your mRNA. M in mRNA is just messenger, messenger RNA. Uh, So DNA, yeah, you're right in saying it's one instead of two. So DNA is double-stranded. RNA is single-stranded. Um. That's not super important, except that it's just works, helps with the mechanics. But the main, conceptually, it's like going in, writing down the specific recipe you need onto your little post-it note, and then taking that post-it note to the kitchen where you can then translate Mm. that recipe into the protein that you want to cook up and make. And so that is DNA, mRNA to... Protein. And so it's like, it's the cell machinery. Our cells have the special machinery. Our cells have, you know, the kitchen where we Mm. cook the proteins and the ingredients for the proteins just like chilling in our cells. And so what an mRNA vaccine does is it, instead of scientists having to use lab machinery to, you know, make the part of the virus that you need, it literally just like handballs that uh, work off to our cells. It just literally gives our cells the instructions and be- and is like, and the okay, cells now the you do the thing. <laughs> and then the cells go, okay, so you've, you've given the cells the post-it note of the recipe and then the cells make the little part of the virus and then the body mounts an immune response. Right. 
Right? So we're just making the body do the work for us. Just giving yeah. it that little prompt, that little nudge in the right direction, because theoretically our body has all it needs to do the fighty fighty in the heels on its own, thanks to uh, a good the good old immune universe inside our body. We're just steering mm. it in the right direction a little bit more and relying less on the outside lab stuff to get us there. Yeah, well, so you yeah. don't have to grow the virus or make the virus or whatever. You just have to know the genetic code, which is just a sequence of letters. Like, you know, and we've gotten and we so sequenced. good at sequencing genomes now. Like, well, the, yeah. the COVID, the SARS CoV 2 was sequenced. Oh, do you know when? It was really early on. January. Yeah, like last January. Yeah. Hot damn. Um, Really, it was one of the first things that they did was they figured out the genetic sequence because inside the, you know, Mm. SARS-CoV-2 virus is RNA. It's a string of letters. Mm. It's a code. And so that was posted on like a, you know, somewhere that everyone could access it. I can't think of the word of what. Database. (laughs) <laughs> Twitter. Twitter. I Did think I think it would have been someone as, tweeted G A C C T. It'd be a bit too long. To oh, is it more than one hundred forty characters? Oh, I was just imagining is. like a six-digit code or something. I no, no, it's a significantly longer than that. Um, but it is just a, it is just a string of letters which was you know right. sequenced and figured out really early. So then everyone around the world could be like, right. All we need now is the nucleotides, so the little, mm. like, bases that make up that genetic string, and you just kind of shove them together, and then you've got your little messenger, inject that in, and then the cells do all the work for you. And then the immune response, your adaptive immune system is like, right. So that, okay. So going back to, like, our uh, hostage mm. analogy, the mRNA one, I guess you could think of it if your hostage, if you were fighting droids. So now we're in the Star Wars Let's universe go. instead of the event. You know, it's all Disney now. It's all the same yeah. shit. I'm pretty uh, sure <laughs> Avengers has droids and stuff. Wasn't that the whole thing of Age of Ultron? The Iron Man suits going rampant. Semi spoilers yeah. for Age of Ultron, but not really. It's cool. kind of just the premise. Well, we'll of the go with movie. that. So instead of um, actually capturing an enemy hostage, mm. what you've done is you've snuck in and you've found the blueprint to your enemy's army of droids and you've taken that back and then you're like right and so then within your home base you're like okay let's build some of these so we can practice fighting them it would be like if in a new hope when they found the plans to the death star rather than destroying it with an x-wing the rebel alliance was like we're gonna build let's build our own death star so we can practice killing it get really good at recognizing (laughs) future death stars because you know god knows they might build another one in the future no or three Yeah, exactly. And also, then, it would have been less pressure, like mm, you know, one if shot. you'd already had practice. Yeah, exactly. This is it. Yeah, you wouldn't mm. need the greatest, uh, f- whatever X-wing flyer you in the galaxy. Need you a would just need sorcerer to take that shot. No, you could just train your regular old non-force sensitive fellas to. Uh, or you could have just also, used the Death Star to fight the other Death Star. The analogy starts to fall apart at that point, but look, you know, it does. I get what you're saying. Does, I get what you're saying. But I just think it's, I just think it's really cool because, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, something that you kind of have to keep in mind, though, is that the post-it note um, is a little bit flimsy. Yes. Um, it's not protected by a nice leather-bound cover like the. Also, oh, it's yeah, like an actual book. paper post-it note that you can get water and grease and all that shit mm, on. Yeah, yeah, that's set a, it on yeah. fire. It's not a nice so, laminated set of instructions. No. Yeah, because you would have thought, like, you know, this is so easy. Why haven't we been using this in vaccines mm. before? Mm. But um, it's because there have been like many, many challenges that you had to overcome. Spilled the coffee on the post-it notes, <laughs> smudged the ink. Also, <laughs> your own immune system being like, what the hell is this? I'm going to attack it. Like, mm. this isn't from my body. Because, ah, mm. you know, when good. you snuck into the enemy base to write it down on the post-it note, of course the post-it notes were labelled with the enemy's, uh, you know, uh, business label in the top right-hand corner. <laughs> it had the watermark on there. And... Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it had the enemy watermark. So someone's brought this post-it note in and the immune system's gone, that's an enemy post-it note, and destroyed it before they even read it, which is like, you know, that's not very helpful, Where's is the it? communication, guys? Come on. So, yeah, we figured out a bit of a solution to that, though, haven't we? Yes, we have. Okay. Do you want to talk about it? Um, well, about it? there are different challenges, so you can go for well, one. Well, true. I was just going to mention the the lipid nanoparticles. Oh, okay. That that oh, yeah, the lipid cool. nanoparticles. Right. Yep. Yeah, yeah, I understand. You're mm-hmm. on board with the lipid nanoparticles? I recognize well, I... all of those words as, like, individual words, but together it's kind of lost on me. 
<laughs> lipids are fat. Nano is tiny. Particles are also tiny. So nano oh, yeah, every, everything, are, everything small. So tiny fat particles. I mean, essentially. Yay, I understand. Hmm? Well, the, the mRNA itself has, is, is capped. So like mm. we just sort of like put two little caps on either end that make it a little bit more protected. Like, you know. So maybe we can, laminate the post-it note. Yeah, <gasps> laminate it. Um, kind of. Yeah, kind of. Kind of works with the analogy. Yeah. I guess the, the lip, lipid nanoparticles is probably more the yeah. lamination, actually. Yes. So hmm. Framing it? Laminate it, then frame, frame it. it? You start the message. So on the post-it note, right next to the watermark, you write, don't destroy this, it's useful. Mm. And then at the end of the note, you write, this was useful, don't destroy this. I don't know. You add little bits to the messages. Yeah. And you also need to add, like, hey, make heaps of these. Mm. Um, because that's something that you want to do. You want to make sure that your cells, like your own cells in the body, um, take it up, like take up that that poster note and actually start cooking a lot with it because, mm. like, there's no point if, if you're only going to make, like, one make of one. the cakes or, mm. yeah, then you know, whatever it is. Um, you need lots for your target practice. Mm. Um, but, yeah, so that's, that's one solution is making sure that they read the thing before they destroy it. But then, yeah. You do laminate it with your lipid nanoparticles. So you're right, fat, small fat particles. Mm. But this is, this is where I want to go back to our soap sperm thing again. But it's, they're like little <laughs> little soap sperms. Not going to make sense to anyone who hasn't listened to our soap episode. Go listen to that. Um, there it is. Hold on. That listen was to all the episodes. about 25, 30 minutes in. I'm making a note of each time. <laughs> There's we, always got to be a soap yep. promo in there somewhere. Oh, we are, we already talked about the immuneverse. Oh, so, yeah, you know, true. Yeah, no. We're all, all over right. the place. Disregard. Um, continue. Just listen to every previous episode and you'll be fine. Uh, <laughs> Guys, just subscribe. Like, come on. Like, subscribe. Um, what was I talking about? Lipid nanoparticles. Yeah. So essentially they're like little bubbles, little fat bubbles where they're nanoparticles. So they're tiny because mRNA, like these little strands of mRNA are like so, 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 so tiny, mm. um, but they don't, they won't go through the cell membrane. And so the cell membrane, AKA the outer layer of all of our, the cells in our body is, is made of fat essentially is lipids. Yeah. And so to get something from the outside of a cell to the inside of a cell, the best way to do that is to package it in little bubbles of fat, because yeah. what happens when the little bubble of fat meets the fatty wall of the cell they fuse, they like mm. merge, the fat goes and like it like engulfs it and sucks it in. And then the little bubble, whatever was inside that little bubble, which happens to be the little mRNA strand, that gets spewed out of the bubble and into the cell. And once it's inside the cell, then it's in the kitchen, right? And yeah. then it's like, okay, we can start cooking with this stuff. But unless you can get it into the kitchen without, you know, spilling something on it, um, then... It's not going to work. And so, yeah, for ages, they were trying to work out a good way to do that. And little little lipid nanoparticles is is the way that has shown to be quite effective. So when um, it actually gets in the cell, it no longer has that fatty thing around it because it's like no. in there with it. So maybe rather than lamination, it's just put in a nice protective envelope. So then when it gets into the kitchen, they can take it out of the envelope and then it's there as a post mm, note. Yeah. Mm. I know, well, I'm getting that, a, a just probably a little too finicky with the analogy. No, no, no. I the like word that. envelope is actually excellent because, you know, we, we talk about a lipid mm, envelope. envelope. Ah. It's actually, yeah. So, so well done there. It's a Yay. laminated envelope. So you can't actually read it or cook with it when it's in the envelope, mm. but it needs to be in the envelope to get safely into the kitchen. Mm. And once it's in the kitchen, you take it out and then you can start reading it. And it's then you can, in one of those things that's like fragile, handle like eggs, you know. <laughs> handle with care. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, very much so, like, you know, with those caps and, and those instructions and all that. But, um, you know, like our our cells are – so I talked about, like, the innate and the adaptive immune response. And the adaptive, that's great. Like, mm -hmm. that, that's what we're going to be using to target this virus. They're the but soldiers the, we're training up. Exactly. But the innate immune system – um, they're quite sensitive to things like genetic material in mm. the cell. Um, so we have some sensors that are called toll-like receptors and just like complete sidetrack, but they're called toll because toll means like amazing or, or cool or great in German. Uh, and uh, yeah. the person who, or the, the people, the two people who um, found the toll gene in Drosophila, mm. so fruit flies, was like, oh, yeah, this, this is really cool. This we're is gonna, cool. We're, we're going to name gonna it, call the, it the, cool the, toll, the toll gene. <laughs> I love um, that. 
And so now we have like toll-like receptors, which are in humans um, uh, because they're very, very similar, but but they're quite sensitive to genetic material. So the mRNA has to kind of be modified to, to be like, hey, don't just say, don't, don't just think we're foreign and kill us. Mm. <laughs> um, but to, to some degree, you actually do want that a little bit because this is the, the reason behind any adjuvant in a vaccine. So mm. with any vaccine, yes, you have a little bit of the virus or the protein or whatever it is, you know, we've, we've talked about, mm. um, different types, but you typically also have an adjuvant, which is something that like kickstarts an immune response. Yeah, it's like the kick up the ass mm. to be like, all right, soldiers, yeah. wake up, let's go, fuck let's up. Go. There's an invader. We need to get to work. Yeah, so it's about finding that call. kind of balance of, mm. um, you know, we need a little bit of information, but please don't destroy these very precious instructions. Mm. <laughs> and I guess another important thing is to say that we're not delivering the full mRNA of the full virus, like much like we had our, our weakened virus or our dead virus, or just like the little part of the virus. It's kind of like that. It's actually just like a little part of the virus. Right. Um, so what's really cool is, yeah, we got the whole genetic sequence for the whole virus, the bit that makes you sick, but then also the bit that flags that it's an enemy. And so the mRNA, we literally just took the bit for, I think it's the spike protein, isn't it? Yeah. So you know how, you know, the emoji of the virus emoji with all the little, like, we know what it looks like with all the little spikes. Yeah. The little pointy yeah. bits, like the like Katrina's dress right now, which no one else can see, oh, but I love Matt that. can see over Zoom, has got- uh, Those little viruses little, are so cute. Yeah, yeah, little viruses all over it. Um, and they have, yeah, it's the bit that makes it the crown and the little spikes. Mm. And they're also the bit that binds to the ACE2 receptor and allows the virus, the, you know, SARS-CoV-2 to spew its RNA mm-hmm. into the cell and start replicating and start making you sick or whatever. So essentially like a, a lock and a key. So, mm. you know, the spike protein is the key mm-hmm. that tries to unlock a door into our cells. So, right. um uh, a lot of the vaccines actually have focused around this spike protein. Mm. So, so trying to deliver the key because if we can um, get enough antibodies, um, mm. so so little fighters that can neutralize that, um, you know, sort of like um, changing the key shape or just like completely getting rid of it before it can even do anything, it means that it cannot unlock the door. It so cannot even get if it's like mm. hanging around, if it can't get in, yeah. it can't harm us. Yes, mm-hmm. exactly. Awesome. Yeah. So we've kind of just, we've isolated the part of the genetic sequence that codes for the spike protein. Mm. And that is what we are when we're giving this mRNA and getting our cells to build proteins. We're not getting our cells to build the full virus and make us sick. We're getting our cells to build the key. And so it's just building these little spike proteins and then our cells can express the spike proteins. And then that is what our target practice is. So we're targeting, you know, we're training our immune systems to like notice this particular part. Which it would be then sort means- of like when, if the rebels were going after the Death Star, they tried to just destroy the gun that was on it rather than blow up the entire Death Star. Well, just- our immune system is going to destroy the full like virus if it, if, it, if you get infected with SARS-CoV-2 and you are vaccinated against it, mm-hmm. what happens is the body, the immune system doesn't just destroy the spike protein. It just means it's just looking for the spike protein. So it's like, let's go back to the, the hostage analogy of the, like the uniform, yeah, right? Okay. So the spike protein is just the enemy uniform. So what happens is you, you've, you've made a bunch of these uniforms, you've mm. trained the immune system to be like, right, anyone wearing that uniform... Like you've just sewn a bunch of the uniforms, made them in with your own machinery, your own thing, and mm-hmm. trained up with those uniforms, put them on test dummies or whatever. But that means you know what you're looking for. So when the army charges in wearing that uniform, you don't just, just like burn the uniform and keep the soldiers alive. No, no, no. You fucking kill those soldiers. Yeah. But yeah. you know that they're the bad guy soldiers because they're wearing the mm. uniform that you were trained to recognize. Mm. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Yeah, well, um, so I might just focus on antibodies because a lot of vaccines Mm. are trying to um, generate antibodies, which are proteins that are kind of like specific arrows. Like if you think of a B cell as an archer that shoots arrows, Mm. so these are the antibodies. The antibodies, um, the arrows, yeah. That that are um, highly specific. So we'd have 
antibodies that are highly specific for the spike protein of the virus. And um, they will bind and they do several things. One, they neutralize, which is mm-hmm. what I mentioned before. Like it, it can't be used anymore to, to unlock the door. It also. It's like getting some bubble gum and like yeah, and putting just, it on the just, key. So the key yeah. just can't fit in the lock anymore. I was thinking of jamming the lock, but yeah, you are jamming the key. Yeah. So you're just you're <laughs> um, covering it in something. Yeah. Um, but also by doing that, like, so, so other things that happen, um, is I, I love it. It's like the Mac attack. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Mac attack. Love that. Um, so we have, uh, the, the membrane attack complex uh-huh. forms and, and what that does is it essentially just punches holes, um, in, into, mm. into things. So that kills as well. Right. Um, so that was not good mm. generally. Yeah. Holes in things. It does. No more than the um, usual number we have. um so that's that's another thing um antibodies like essentially they're just like labeling it for target by the arrest of the immune system so like labeling it for assault which is kind of like you know the whole uniform analogy works Mm. um but another thing is like getting out natural killer cells which you know by definition they kill things yes um so so uh you're starting to kill infected cells as well because they've been labeled um with antibodies so yeah by, by labeling with the arrows, bam, mm. suddenly you're getting a whole immune assault on the entire virus and infection. Heck yes. Yeah. Picturing scenes mm. from, from Endgame where you've Go just got like the full, full team up just absolutely yeah, yeah. charging in. Exactly. That that scene at the end where Avengers the, the portals open and assemble. everyone comes in. Avengers assemble. Ba, 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 ba. <laughs> yes. Exactly. And so it's so cool. And I guess another, when we're talking about genetic, I'm going to call them genetic vaccines. I don't know if that's actually the correct term for them, but vaccines that, that don't use the actual virus, but use, make use of this genetic code. mRNA vaccine. Well, but then there's also this viral vector vaccines, <laughs> yeah, yes, which yes. is, that was my linking segue oh, is see. that it's not just mRNA vaccines. There's also another type called a viral vector Ooh. vaccine, which is where, you don't use the actual Does it kill virus. with both magnitude and direction? Direction? <laughs> Booyah. No, vector vector as not meaning something with magnitude and direction, but mm. vector meaning carrier. Carrier, transport vehicle, I guess. Like that's we right. just use the term vector in science or viral vector to mean something that carries the bit of genetic code that you want. And okay. it's generally it is a virus, but it's not so with like the COVID vaccines, for example, mm. the COVID vaccine that uses like a viral vector approach, mm-hmm. the virus that you're injecting is not the SARS-CoV-2 virus. It's a completely different virus that has also been made harmless, essentially. Yeah. But it's that type of thing as in it's it's a, a capsid like a with, with a bit of it's genetic. It's an envelope. It's an envelope. It's an envelope with an instruction manual inside. But it's not a lipid nanoparticle envelope it's a it's a virus envelope and so what yeah so what we can actually do is we can genetically like engineer these viruses to insert the little particular you know recipe that we stole from the recipe book (laughs) inside these other viruses is it a different virus from the one you're vaccinating from yes yeah so in the um the case of a lot of vaccines they use adenovirus which Mm. is a virus that can cause the common cold but obviously it's only a virus-like thing. Like, it, it's not going to cause the common cold. No. Just, like, sort of yeah, emphasize it's, it's that. It's a completely harmless virus. Yeah, I can it's imagine the anti having a field day with that type of Yeah, virus. well. <laughs> exactly. But, no, it's it's exactly like the mRNA one in the yeah. sense that it it's just delivering a bit of genetic code inside the cell and then using the cell's machinery to then make the spike protein. But the difference with the viral vector ones is that instead of encapsulating it in a lipid nanoparticle, you're, you've got it inside a virus. And so that virus can then like mm. attach to the cell, lock and key, bind to the cell, spit out the genetic code inside. And then the difference is that if I'm correct, the viral vector ones is DNA, not RNA. Yeah, I think they are DNA. It would be DNA. So it goes actually inside the cell nucleus. Yeah. So inside right. the kitchen. And it actually, what it does is someone, you know, sneaks into the kitchen. And this is, you know, what happens when other viruses with, with DNA inside, they sneak into the kitchen and they add a new page to the recipe book uh, inside the kitchen. Sabotage. And so then what happens uh, well, it can be sabotage if it's a bad virus, but in terms of these viral vector vaccines mm. is instead of just taking 
a post-it note mm. to ourselves being like, here is the post-it note for the blueprints of the droids you want to build and practice attacking. It actually sneaks into the kitchen and adds into the giant recipe book of all the blueprints. By the way, this is mm. an additional thing that your cells should probably consider making some of. And right. so then the cell's normal machinery goes in and goes, okay, I want to take mm. this page of the recipe book. They then transcribe it into mRNA and it then gets trans. So it's just an extra step essentially. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's just as cool and it's just as like not – using the virus but using the genetic code i think I'm, i think i explained that really poorly no i think i think i, I understood think it worked it's just like i'm just imagining the meme for a mum, rick and morty from the tiny verse episode they're talking about vector virus vaccines and you just go that just sounds like mrna vaccines with extra steps <laughs> <laughs> look kind mm, of but cheaper <laughs> but, but cheaper exactly right um, cheaper and so yeah that's the thing i guess that I wanted to also quickly make sure we covered mm-hmm. is is just the different this some of the specific different vaccines that are out there. So you know we've talked about how there were traditional vaccines that used part of the weakened virus or whatever, and then mm-hmm. there's the more modern vaccines which are the mRNA or the viral vector. But you know you've probably heard and everyone's probably heard that there are a bunch of different like specifically different COVID vaccines that are out there with different names. The names being generally. The, the company because they do actually have names yeah. the different vaccines but people don't talk about the actual names they, they're, they're like there's the pfizer vaccine or there's the moderna vaccine or there's the yay capitalism vaccine mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, johnson and johnson yeah exactly <laughs> any large pharmaceutical company that you can think of the name of probably has a vaccine in the work I don't want to go like because there are there are heaps and heaps. I don't think it's worth going into all the different types mm. of ones and you know which ones better, which ones worse, blah blah blah. Because like ultimately, at the end of the day, like you're not really gonna have a choice which one you get. Yeah, um, yeah. it's all down people to higher where up in power and... kind of have a bit more play yeah. with choice. But in terms yeah. of like us as people, we're gonna be offered a vaccine, mm-hmm. say yes to it. Doesn't matter which one it is, <laughs> say yes. Um, but they are different, and so there are some pros and some cons to the different ones. So, for example, there are two different um, mRNA ones that are kind of out on the market mm-hmm. at the moment, which is the Pfizer-BioNTech one is one of them, and then there's the Moderna, which is the other one. And they both have very similar sort of efficacy rates, around 95% efficacy. Right. Which, just quickly, I wanted to explain what that is means because it doesn't mean what it sounds like it means necessarily because like generally I don't know if someone said to me oh this thing is 95% effective I'm like cool so if I get the vaccine there's a 95% chance I won't get the virus right that's what it sounds like to me yeah that's not what it means (laughs) um and it doesn't mean that if I get the injection then I'm only going to get 5% 5% sick like I'm going to get a very mild (laughs) form of the illness like it doesn't mean that either um it's actually to do with the statistics of the clinical trials, which is comparing people who got the placebo to people who got the vaccine. Right. So it's essentially, it's the ratio of, so for example, everyone that was doing a clinical trial, let's say there's like, you know, however many people Just doing- Just say 100, it makes your numbers easier. It does make the numbers mm. easier. And then you get like, you give 50, 50 of those people the placebo. Mm-hmm. And so they just get like- Salt water jabbed into their arm. Yummy. Um, I think it's saline. I think that's yeah, what the placebo yes. is. <laughs> Just assumed that without actually looking it up. But yeah. And then you get the people that get the virus. And importantly, like the people don't know, but also the doctors administering the vaccines don't know. It's like completely oh. blinded. We don't know who's getting what. Um, is that what double then, blind means? I've heard of double blind studies. Yeah. 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 It cool. just means that like they don't know what they're getting and the doctors don't yeah, know what they're the, getting. The participants and the testers testers are blinded blinded until the end. Then you unblind the data to do your analysis. But during the whole process, nobody knows what's going on. So you've given half the people placebo, half the people the vaccine. And then, you know, you wait. Those people go out and do do their lives, get exposed to the virus. If they start showing symptoms, they let the trial people know. They're like, oh, yo, I think I might be sick. They get tested, whatever. And so let's say... I can't do quick maths in my well, head. So it'd be like, you know, 40, it'd only be like one or two people yeah, out so of all like, the people who had been vaccinated 
will get sick or, or get, mm. get sick. So let's them. say of your 100 people, about 40 people call up and are like, okay, I think I'm sick. And you yeah. test those people and you're like, 40 people are sick. Cool. Then you unblind the data and you see how many of those 40 people got the placebo and how many of those 40 people got the vaccine. Right. And for something like 95% efficacy, you'd be looking at maybe two people of that mm. 40 got the vaccine and the other 38 got the placebo. Right. And then you can just divide those numbers to get a ratio and get your percentage. Yeah. And that'll give you the approximate. Yeah. The so it's, it's all to do with your chance of getting sick having been vaccinated compared with your chance of getting sick had you not been vaccinated. Right. It's not just um, your chance of getting sick if you're vac- vaccinated. No. Because, no. yeah. like, you know, yeah, 95% efficacy when you factor in, like, the placebo is is actually only, like, you know, 1% or less uh, people with the vaccine get sick. So yeah. it makes it sound worse than it is Excellent. in a way. Yeah. But it's, it's important to do because it's always important with scientific studies to have a placebo control because mm. if you don't have a control – well, that's just bad science. Well, yeah, then what are you comparing <laughs> um, your results yeah. to? Mm, exactly. And so that's what the efficacy means if you hear about that. And so these two mRNA vaccines, the Moderna one and the Pfizer one, have similar similar efficacy. And they both require two shots. One requires – so the Pfizer one, the two shots are 21 days apart. And the Moderna one, the two shots are 28 days apart. I mean, it's a week's difference. It's much of a muchness. Mm. The biggest difference between the two of them is the storage of them. Okay. So the Pfizer one has to be kept really, really cold, mm-hmm. which is probably the biggest barrier. I think mm-hmm. like it has to, to be kept at minus 70 degrees Celsius right, to okay. survive mm-hmm. for six months. Whereas the Moderna one, you only need minus 20 degrees Celsius to survive for six months. And then the other thing is if it's at like, you know, two to eight degrees Celsius, so like refrigerated, the Pfizer one only lasts five days, whereas the Moderna one lasts 30 days. Okay. So it's it's been made more resilient. Stable. Mm. Stable, that's that's a better word. Yes. For those different temperatures. Which, like, you know, if you think about the infrastructure of, you know, some developing countries don't necessarily have, or even rural, you know, in developed countries, rural yeah. hospitals, rural whatever, like the Moderna one becomes much mm. more appealing in that kind mm. of scenario. Yes. Well, like even you don't even have to look as far as um, developing countries or, or anything. Like even Australia, mm. we're getting, um, was it like 10 million of oh, 10 million doses of the Pfizer, but then we're, we're getting much fewer of um, AstraZeneca, but we are going to make it here. And the, the good thing mm. about that is that, you know, if you don't have to store something at minus 70 degrees, which is like liquid essentially you're storing in liquid nitrogen. So mm, if you think yeah. about like Flipping you either get that in research labs, hospitals, or like liquid nitrogen ice cream shops. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, but you and know. Like here it, in Australia, notoriously not a cold place, especially this time of year as mm. well. So, you know, we can only really get a limited supply of those because one, they have to be made overseas and two, they have to be delivered um, and pretty much. And transported in yeah. that cold yeah so they can only really be given to people sort of in a more like a hospital setting or something you're not going to have minus 70 degrees at every single doctor's clinic unless you set up every liquid nitrogen ice cream store to also become (laughs) a vaccine clinic i'm picturing a very post-apocalyptic world where all the ice cream stores have become uh, i still think we have more doctor's clinics than we have like ice cream like liquid nitrogen i don't know you're probably correct (laughs) places in perth if there's definitely at least one in melbourne uh but like we've hyped up the mrna vaccine seen so much but like you know the the reason Mm. why we're having a big focus here in australia on the astrazeneca one as well is is you know one is cheaper Mm. which is the astrazeneca one is a viral vector vaccine Mm. um it's only four dollars a dose compared to like twenty dollars a dose for it's a lot cheaper and it doesn't require that super cold storage and we can make it here in the country and we can make it here um that's the best and yeah, it's it's got very it's got yeah similar mm. efficacy rates like a little bit lower according to the data I found mm. but then yeah. yeah there's new data coming out and that's constantly changing the point is it it also works mm. I guess I get I get I'm hyping up the mRNA ones because I just think it's so clever it is it's so it, clever. It's yeah. insanely and cool clever and but new and new stuff is always cool mm. yeah and I guess well the other thing it, the the um the viral vector the AstraZeneca one is also new in a in a sense that we've had viral vector vaccines before, like the Ebola one that got approved not too long ago 
was a viral vector vaccine, but that was a different type of viral vector. Um, it was one that I can't remember the exact terms off the top of my head, but there's essentially, correct me if I'm wrong here, but I think there are two different types of viral vector vaccines. One that can replicate itself and kind of mimic an actual, you know, viral attack. Mm -hmm. And then the ones that don't replicate themselves and they, they just send the instructions to make the spike protein. They don't send instructions to make more of themselves right. like a normal virus does. And so the Ebola one that got approved was, was a replicating one that can replicate itself. But the, the adenovirus um, one that we're looking at, or that's sorry, in, in play for the COVID um, vaccine is a non-replicating one. So it doesn't send instructions to make more of itself. It just sends instructions to make that spike protein. And as far as I'm aware, there are no FDA-approved vaccines that use that mm. particular type of technology yet either. So that is also new and exciting. Hashtag. It's all new and exciting. <laughs> I mean, it's all new. It's, it's all exciting. And the fact that it's all happened so quickly mm. and, the, you know, it's all just very cool and... Yes, there are different types of vaccines, but just say just yes get if you're offered one. Just <laughs> say yes. Yeah. Um, anyway, they're safe. Yeah. You'll be fine. And it's important for herd immunity, which, yes. you know, do you want to quickly just explain what herd immunity is? You can probably do it quicker um, and more concisely than I can. Yeah, okay. If you think about, like, you know, an army and you've got only, like, the front soldiers typically carry, like, shields and stuff to, to defend mm -hmm. and deflect from mm -hmm. arrows coming from the enemy, right? Um, so if you have uh, only a couple of people who have shields up, then more people are going to get hit Mm. Um, with arrows or mm. cannons or whatever. Um, whereas the more people who have shields, the more protected everyone becomes. Mm. Even the people that don't have shields. Yeah. Because can you can hide behind, behind other ones. Yeah. yeah. So not everyone can get vaccinated for various reasons. And so it's important that if you are someone who can get vaccinated, that even if you don't care about yourself or getting sick yourself or whatever, like you should still do it it's because your you're protecting. It's honestly. Yeah. Yeah, you're, you're putting up yeah. a shield on behalf of other people. Yeah, exactly. Like that's and yeah. So that's, if not, that's important. Am I right I in saying I that like emphasize. even if you get vaccinated, if not enough other people get vaccinated, there's still a chance that you can get infected even if you're vaccinated if the rest of the herd has not done that properly? Well, I mean, like like we said, none of the vaccines are 100% yeah. effective in stopping. So, you know, there is always still yeah. kind of a chance that once you've been vaccinated, you could get, you could, you could still get, um, the virus. However, yeah. So like, yes, it you, does. I guess you're correct because the more people that are vaccinated, mm -hmm. the less chance you'll be exposed mm -hmm. to the virus because there'll be less people mm -hmm. carrying it around and therefore even less chance of you getting sick. Yeah. yeah. I was thinking it was like sort of likelihood. So yeah. 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 As you know, the chance of you bumping into someone who is carrying the virus around is going to be much lower if a lot more people are vaccinated against it. Yeah. Um, but I guess the other important thing to flag is that, what we've looked at with these vaccines is not actually whether they stop infection or transmission, but more that they stop disease. So right. that, that's kind of two different things. You can, you can have the virus inside of you and you can pass the virus on and not get sick. Or it, you can get carrier. sick. So, so that's, that's the difference. We're trying to block symptoms. Yeah, yeah, that's the difference between COVID-19, which is the symptoms, mm. the illness, the disease, versus SARS-CoV-2, which is the virus. So, so what mean? we've shown is that these vaccines are effective in stopping you getting sick, but we don't actually necessarily know whether they're effective in stopping the virus even getting into your body in the first place. We don't know that yet. So does that mean but potentially vaccines thing. just turn everyone into asymptomatic carriers? Uh, potentially. That's, that's a concern. But also, like, it's better that everyone becomes an asymptomatic yeah. carrier than everyone being dead yes. from the disease. So, um, but also, you know, that there is quite a high chance that they are stopping uh, infection and transmission as well. Mm. We just need to wait longer for more data. Um, and even though we don't know that, yes, even if it turns you from being a symptomatic carrier mm. into an asymptomatic carrier, surely that's something you want, mm. right? Surely we, we ultimately, at the end of the day, this is a public health matter. We don't want people getting sick. Yes. Because being sick sucks and mm -hmm. is dangerous, but also, you know, the less sick people, the less overwhelmed the hospitals are going to yes. be, all of that jazz. Um, 
and the but, less dead people mm. as always. Less dead people is, yeah. you know. I'd like to think good. that's a common goal we'd all have. I'd like to think it too, mm. truly, but, you know, oh, people well. people be people. Yeah. Anyway, I think, I don't know, is there, is there anything else, Katriona, that you would, you think that we haven't brought up that would be, before we shuffle on to our listener question real quick, um, I don't know, is there anything else, or Matt, do you have any other questions? Is there anything else vaccine related that we want to chat about? I maybe I'll just say like with efficacy, you know, like we, we've tested the efficacy of, of different um, vaccines in clinical trials and maybe just like for listeners to to sort of be aware that what we say in a clinical trial is probably not going to be exactly the same mm. when you when you give a vaccine to the population because mm. there are various people who don't go into these clinical trials because they're pregnant or because mm. they're too old or anything. And it doesn't mean that the vaccine's not safe for them. Mm. It just means that or it's just that we don't tend to put um, pregnant people in trials. Yeah, um, fair. Which is, yeah, you know, so, something that I do support and mm. think we should continue to <laughs> do or not so, do. Um, so for the Pfizer vaccine, for all Pfizer um, Bio, BioNTech, it was 95% efficacy like in, in the phase three clinical trial. But now that it's been like given out in, in the UK, it was at 88%. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, specifically among people who are over over the age of 80 so that that that's pretty decent um and in Israel which i think is like you know one of the countries that's kind of given the most of their population um mm. the the vaccine um that was 92% so still really good but mm. just not that 95 so something to be yeah, aware of yeah numbers are going to change yeah. as we change the sample size of course yeah how cool is well, a first of all, our immune system, Woo. our Avengers immune universe, mm-hmm. um, but also just scientists, like some really clever, pe- clever, clever, clever people. people coming up with these really creative solutions around yeah. these really horrible problems. The amount mm. of like detail that you have to understand how the body works and the cells and how viruses work and how genetics works and how you know you have to understand all of this stuff. And it's like, yes, it's been fast tracked, it's been hyper speed, hyper warp, 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 warp speed, warp. whatever yeah. it's called, yeah. um, and popped out in this last. 12 months, but like, this is decades and decades of really clever people doing lots of incremental things that have contributed to this, you know, the human race being able to be like, you know what? Fuck you, SARS-CoV-2. We're going to like, we're going to infiltrate. We're going to hijack. We're going to take a hostage. We're going to (laughs) take a blueprint hostage and we're going to train up and we're going to be ready for you. You know, yes, the pandemic kind of sucks, but yeah the pandemic kind of sucks <laughs> pandemic kind of sucks but like damn some cool science has come out of it mm-hmm. not gonna lie silver linings take them where you can yeah and with that should we shuffle on with our listener question quick little listener question sent in from charlie, charlie. is why does cheese why does cheese taste better when it's melted Oh, Which like true. is so true, right? Mm. Like, cheese toasty. Mm. Yeah. Just real like quick, just... I, I, something that I'm not gonna lie about. My favorite cheese of all time, best cheese, that mm-hmm. cheese that's on Macca's burgers, that that orange American stuff, that processed no. stuff. Oh my god, that stuff is amazing. But do you like it as a cold? sheet separate from the burger or do you like Fuck it yeah. on the burgers a little Both. bit melted it's it, like cold is it better sheet, melted is the question that i'm fantastically asking. better melted yeah like it's yeah. the best melty cheese to put on sandwiches and burgers and things hands down interesting well it's definitely it's definitely a thing that we tend to find melted cheese better uh like just you know we tend to rate it as being tastier than solid cheese and there's a few like I mean ultimately we don't really really know why but there are a few as usual there are a few different theories kind of bubbling around there and one of them the kind of like main one is that essentially it's to do with it's called mouthfeel the mouth that is such a Charles Boyle I was literally just thinking (laughs) the mouthfeel I know bit of Brooklyn I know so the mouthfeel of, of food is essentially exactly what it sounds like. It's what we, it's the word that scientists 
for some reason chose to <laughs> describe how something feels in your mouth when mm-hmm. you eat it food generally generally <laughs> um generally mouth feel like it's it's the texture and and for some people this is a bigger thing than others like i know some people are very textural people like if they don't like the texture of a food that they're mm. not gonna like that food doesn't matter about the flavor like the texture plays a big role in how all of us interpret taste and flavor and we tend to like softer, smoother, liquidy things, which like when you melt cheese, it gets liquidy, right? And it's softer. And, you know, and it's not just cheese. Like there was a study, there was a study in 2014 that a bunch of scientists, they they ran a series of different experiments with like different foods, um, getting people to like eat these foods while I think they were like watching advertisements or something. That bit wasn't important. It was just kind of something to distract them while they mindlessly ate. And then they looked at how much. So for example, brownies was one of the experiments. They gave half the people hard brownies and half the people soft brownies. And the people with the soft brownies ate, naturally ate a lot more than the people who were given hard brownies, which suggests that like, you know, subconsciously they were just enjoying it more. They tend to enjoy the softer stuff. And, you know, some of the logic behind that is that, it's easy, like it's just less effort for us to eat mm. soft stuff, right? It's just less effort, which evolutionarily makes kind of sense that you don't want to be burning energy while you're consuming energy. Because evolutionarily, traditionally, fundamentally, we seek out food because of the calories and because of the energy that it delivers to yeah. us, right? That's what we want. And so our brains are kind of wired to recognize, first of all, higher calorie foods as being really good. So things like like cheese and chocolate that can melt and become that like liquidy form, that tends to kind of suggest a high fat content, which suggests a high calorie content. Yeah. So it makes sense that our brains and our bodies are hardwired to be drawn to that. And so... That's one part of it. And then also when you're eating the food, if you're like people talk about like celery, for example, having negative calories, AKA yeah. you burn more calories eating celery than you do get from it. That mm-hmm. That's a myth. It's not quite true, but it's that sort of concept of yeah. like, if you're working so hard to chew and swallow and whatever dissolve like a food, then you're going to be wasting energy that mm. you could be getting from it. Right. Yeah. And so it kind of makes sense that we're naturally drawn to these foods that don't waste any energy Mm. in consuming. And so that is one of the leading reasons why we think melty cheese or softer cheese, like it doesn't even have to be melted cheese. Like people, there were, there's some, you know, surveys showing hard cheeses. People, people like soft cheeses more than they like hard cheeses. And it's, so that kind of fits in with the theory. Mm. Except um, mushy peas doesn't fit in with your theory. No, mushy I don't know, man. Mushy peas are delicious. I don't know what As with every about. theory, yeah. there are holes in it. Um, which another part of it is potentially then the umami flavor Ooh, is brought umami. out more with heat. Mm. So that's oh. one of the one of the flavor components of food, which you know, cheese has more of, more of than but other foods. Mm. But yet the melted cheese has more because heat brings this flavor out more strongly, which you go. some people might be drawn to and therefore, you know, find it more enjoyable because the act of heating the, um, you know, chemicals, because everything is chemicals everything within the cheese, um, changes them such that they activate your umami taste receptors more than they did before. And that is potentially also why uh, cheese is better when melted. But ultimately, it's also one of those things that's not as much of a priority to scientists as developing a COVID <laughs> vaccine. And so we, we don't haven't know done as quite much as much. research into that. Is, no. yeah. is there something about um, like the fat separating as well? I don't know. I, I, this mm. is just something I heard like once upon a time. I haven't mm-hmm. done the research. You've done the research into this question. But like um, just, well, if you think about it, like you, you see the oil separating yeah. when you do melt cheese. That's definitely a thing when you melt it. Mm. Not necessarily too much, but like the yeah, more you melt yeah. it, the more it can separate. I don't know, and I don't know if it would get to a point where you'd heat it so much that it you just render all the fat nice out of anymore. it. Yeah, I, don't, I, don't uh, know. I mean, I guess then you can burn cheese. 
Can you burn cheese? Yeah, you can burn cheese. You, can you ever tried cheese. grilling and something and left the burner on so long? Yeah, mm. that's true. And then that's, you know, your mm. carbon that's not going to take What I wonder as well is whether, like, especially when you're cooking a pizza and they get the little brown spots is if part of it is you're caramelizing the sugars in the cheese a little bit as well, similar to why, like, a hot coffee tastes mm. better than a less mm. bitter than a nice coffee yeah, you're because you're bringing out those sugar. Yeah, because when you the milk of the coffee is because you're caramelizing the sugars in mm. the milk. That's And that's definitely a thing. So, and that's definitely a thing that I know is true with, yeah, with when you froth milk for mm. coffee. Um, so I assume the same and would two, follow. I don't know like how many sugars Three are of the main flavor things that people love is umami, cheese. fat, and sugar. And if you're bringing all of those out just by applying heat to the cheese, fuck yeah, it's yeah. going to taste mm. better, right? <laughs> yeah, and it's less effort to consume because it's soft and squishy. Mm. Uh, and your brain's just like, heckin' yes, give huh? me this good mm. shit. Um, yeah, and so that more or less, is possibly some of the reasons why. That's such a definitive answer. Sorry, Charlie. <laughs> um, I did my best. But, yeah, why cheese tastes better when it's melted. So mm. if you guys, you listeners, um, I mean, I guess also you, Matt and Kat, if, if you guys have a listener <laughs> question, you can email me at uh, curiosityright at gmail.com is our email address. So shoot us through those listener questions and we answer one every week. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you liked the show... Thank you for liking it. Uh, No, and you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, if you're not already following us, at Curiosity Rat. And thank you again, Kat, for coming on and giving your your insight and your expertise and your knowledge and your personality. And I don't know, I'm running out of things to... Um, and if people enjoyed listening to you, they can, well, obviously they can go back to season one and listen to the other episodes that you've come and been a guest on. But if they want to find you and your other psychom goodness, how can they do that? Where can they do that? Well, on Twitter, I'm Katrina NR and everywhere else, so Instagram and YouTube where I sing songs. I have a song mm-hmm. called DNA RNA Protein, so that, that just explains it. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know what? We're going to link that in the description. That's <laughs> going to become a, a source for, for this podcast. Um, <laughs> yeah. Check it out. Um, so there, I am neuroscientist, so that's N-Y-U-R-O scientist. Which you are not a I am not a neuroscientist, uh, no. But I yeah. We go through this every time. <laughs> we just we swap. Oh. Yeah. Hope you guys enjoyed the episode. Get vaccinated if you have that yeah. o- if you have that option. If you have that option, tell your friends, tell your family. No, in Australia, um, people who are not mm. healthcare workers or immunocompromised people will probably be waiting a little while. I'm probably going to be. We, like we don't just have Australian list, listeners you know, to this show. We have true. listeners in America. We have listeners elsewhere. So you know, if the option is given to you, our official advice, an official stance on this podcast is get a vaccine curiosity killed the rat does condone (laughs) vaccinations does indeed condone vaccinations um and with that peace out homies later skaters curiosity kill the rat curiosity kill the rat